Alright, White Collar Crime fans, welcome to a bonus edition of the White Collar Crimes podcast. I am Ryan Horn, the host, and you might remember if you've been with this podcast for a little while, about six months ago, we covered the case of Alex Murdaugh, the very prominent attorney down in South Carolina that was convicted of killing his son and his wife comes from a long line of very prominent attorneys down there and kind of took the whole country and world by storm. A lot of media attention for that, and we certainly have covered that case a lot on here as well. Well, as you remember us mentioning at the time that he faced a litany of financial crimes that he still was going to have to contend with long after his murder conviction and sentence was carried out, which if you remember, he was sentenced to life in prison. But now he has had at least some of his financial crimes dealt with at the federal level because on September 20th, Alex Murdaugh pled guilty to nearly two dozen counts of various financial crimes, different types of frauds, money laundering, and he, as I said before, this followed after his murder conviction. Now, in the federal case, he was accused of stealing more than $9 million from various clients and he is ordered to pay that back in restitution. As we talk about on this podcast over and over again, sadly, many times this restitution, very little of it's paid back, if any of it. So we will keep an eye on that as well down the road to see if that's carried out, if we can get information or find out that it is, but I certainly would not get my hopes up because a huge chunk of these white-collar criminals, it seems, very rarely pay back the restitution and what they are owed to their victims. And $9 million is no small amount. That's a pretty good size restitution. So we will see if it's carried out and he does pay this back. Now when he's sentenced, it should be noted, it's been said that this will run concurrently with his state sentence right now, which it really wouldn't matter at this point because as I've said long, it is kind of anticlimactic at this point because He's been sentenced to life for the murder, so anything now he gets for the financial crimes is really just a bonus. So it really doesn't matter if they run concurrently or not because, you know, if he gets 20 years or so, if he's still alive 20 years from now, he's not going to get out of prison because he's been sentenced for a lifetime term for the murders. But nonetheless, he is looking at, from what they are reporting, uh, about a maximum of 20 years each on each of these counts. So it very well could Uh, account to him spending most of the rest of his life, if not all the rest of his life, in prison. I believe he was reported to be about 55 years old. So even 20 years, who knows if he'll live 20 years in prison or not. So he may not even serve out and live out the sentences that he gets for the white-collar crimes, but we shall see. Now, it's also been reported that he may also have to be subject to a polygraph test and may be called to testify at other proceedings. Personally, I'm not a big fan of the polygraph, even though I am in a law enforcement background. I've taught a lot of classes at different colleges around here in Southern Illinois area, and I've always told my classes there's a reason why these are not admissible in court, because they are just not scientifically reliable, so I'm not sure what the court in South Carolina and the federal court has going with this, but supposedly he may be subject to having to do a polygraph test and maybe even testify at some other proceedings down the road. Again, we'll keep an eye out on that. Like I said, not a real big fan of that method. Hopefully uh, 
it's uh, he just tells the truth on whatever he's called to testify on, but he very well may be questioned on that. But as I've said, it doesn't really matter if somebody passes or doesn't pass one because these are generally not admissible in court. Now, he continues and has all along denied that he murdered his wife and son, but he hasn't really ever truly denied the financial crimes throughout this ordeal, and it has gotten nowhere near the attention, obviously. Murder cases always get top billing, so to speak, and they always get way more attention than any financial crimes would, but it's kind of been lost in the shuffle, and we want to remind people that he's also facing massive amounts of financial uh, charges. Now that the federal is out of the way, He still is facing some state charges, and more on that in just a second. But as I said, he's not really denied these financial crimes, so it's it's also kind of made it a little anticlimactic considering the murder conviction and sentence. Now, Murdoch has claimed all along that an addiction to some prescription painkillers, opioids, things like that, really impaired his judgment and reasoning. But I have to wonder also, what role did greed play in this? Because what would prompt a man like this that has everything, comes from a wealthy, very prestigious family in that area, long line of attorneys, successful one in his own right, probably had plenty of money on his own, but money and greed, as we pointed out in the murder case, definitely played a role in all this, and certainly in the financial crimes. So what would motivate a guy to do something like that? It certainly begs the question or certainly begs to dig a little deeper and to find out what exactly was his motive for wanting to do that. Because again, he seemingly had it all. So why would he want more? Because let's face it, his greed and gluttonous addiction to the painkillers and whatnot eventually have cost him not only his family, but his freedom. As I said, he will spend the rest of his life in prison for the murder and could even possibly, even if you do take away the murder conviction, and I think he is planning on appealing that, which is one reason why I think the feds in the state of uh, South Carolina want to hook him in on these financial crimes as kind of a safety net to assure he spends most of the rest of his life, if not all of the rest of his life, in prison. So we'll have to see what happens with that. As I said, it appears the federal crimes that he faced are all pretty much done with and taken care of. But he is facing a lot of other charges in state court. In fact, close to about 100 different counts of various financial crimes as well, from fraud, money laundering, all these different types, the usual types of crimes that are out there on these cases. He is still facing about 100 cases, charges, counts, on these financial crimes. Now, he's set to go to court in state court in South Carolina in November, so we will be covering that as well on there to keep you up to date as well. But it appears he is now going to be sentenced very soon for the federal financial crimes, adding on to already a life sentence. So we will maybe hear more about what some of his motives were and what drove him again, a guy who seemingly had everything to commit murder and massive, massive amounts of financial crimes. Uh, It should be a very disturbing look into what could bring somebody down. They're very powerful sins, addiction and greed, so we have to certainly uh, keep an eye out and make sure we don't fall prey to those things as well. So again, we'll keep an eye on that when it goes to trial in November. So uh, keeping 
ear out here and stay tuned. Check out our exciting developments that have been launched this week on the podcast and the regular episode that we have on Stefan Bergwan, who was a famous fraudster in France that puffed himself up to be France's serial killer expert, and that was not true. So be sure and check that out. And check us out each week on here. Please follow us and help us build this podcast. We want to get in the top 10 percentile in the true crime category. We're in the top 25 now, so please uh, like our Facebook page, the White Collar Crime Podcast. Follow us on Spotify or Apple, wherever you're hearing this podcast. And again, just please continue to help us grow. And if you have any ideas, as I always say, or if you want to be a guest on this podcast, email me at ryanhornvt at gmail.com. So there's a quick update on this case. I'm sure we'll have a whole lot more in the coming months, so please check in with us on those as well. God bless and take care, everybody.